0: Analytics is one piece of this puzzle. It's almost retroactive. You do this over a period of time and you collect enough data to be able to improve this. Very simple things like who's doing the most of the talking, who's not like, you know, getting a chance to say anything in a meeting or doesn't contribute is like a very simple metric, just easy to collect. But looking at it over a period of time will make things very obvious. What does it say about a leader who spends about like 70% of the time in his meeting, being or him or her, being the only person who's talking in the meeting. What does that say about a person who actually speaks 30% of the time, but lets team contribute 70% of the time? Like Just the, the data alone tells a very different story about your leadership style, how your team com- comes together and collaborate.
1: You are listening to the Align Remotely podcast, the show dedicated to helping you lead distributed teams under difficult circumstances. I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade. As a practitioner, I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment, and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working-from-home gear sorted. Welcome, welcome. This is Luke again with the, the Align Remotely podcast. Uh, today, we are speaking with Arjun Sandara Rajan, I invited Arjun onto the show because he is a deep tech founder who's innovating in the online meeting space of all places. And in particular, I was curious exactly how he is applying the kind of Silicon Valley mindset of building and designing solutions for what's going on to online meetings within companies. So in this episode, we'll cover what meeting analytics are useful and also technically feasible, what types of innovations are happening right now in the video in the collaboration space. We'll talk about the facilitation skills gap many newly remote managers face, whether they're aware of it or not, how technology can be used in that context, why changing the technology used for meetings can also improve participant habits and behavior. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. <laughs> Arjun, welcome to the podcast. Could you say a few words about who you are and what you do?
0: Sure. My name is Arjun. Um, I'm an engineer by training. I spent the last 14 years in tech, the first eight years of which was in like Microsoft, where I worked in big teams, shipping location-based services-related products, the Bing Maps team and everything. And then I moved to San Francisco and about four years back or so, I started this company called Ambit with the big vision of understanding how people communicate and how teams collaborate by using voice technology and understanding their the tone of their voice, the sentiment of what they speak. Spent about two, three years trying to bring a product market fit to that space. Ended up winding down the product last year and since then took a break and now I'm starting my next venture called Zinc this is a virtual collaboration platform for specialized meetings that the big vision here is to is still on like making collaboration easy but the idea is to make meeting facilitation as much automated as possible
1: okay in terms of meetings and facilitation what do you think the current state of play is we're about a year in at the time of recording to the the pandemic there's been a huge influx of people onto everything online meeting related. What are your thoughts at the moment?
0: Yeah, for sure. The big trend, as almost everybody would have observed, is that uh, virtual meetings are uh, here to stay in the sense that there is quite a bit of teams and companies that would go back to the actual office spaces. But the movement of remote teams and remote only companies has been tremendous in the last year and that trend is only going to increase so an observation which probably um, most people find it very obvious is that the number of people who are going to be completely virtual like where teams are not going to be co-located is going to be on an increase and uh, that opens up like a tremendous set of opportunities as well as like challenges in this space and this is not a new trend it was a minority earlier and it was a growing minority and now it's becoming mainstream and so which means that previously companies that were trying to target this market we didn't think that this was a big enough market are now going to be able to take this much more seriously and like solutions are going to like start uh, coming for this space. another observation is that the current crop of video conferencing solutions have all been built at a time when most meetings were in person and then there was this one person who's just remote somewhere or like a few people who are remote and it's just merging these people from an audio and a video level. But if you like start to think about that, like if everybody's going to be virtual and they're all going to see each other through this medium, it opens up again, like a lot more possibilities of what you can do with this interface, like a rich interface that you have between people. And I'm, excited for the opportunities in the space and like playing in that space right now.
1: As soon as someone is not in the office or in a remote location, it automatically changes the dynamic. How do you get people to feel more connected using technology?
0: Yeah. I think this was a trend that was starting to become more and more obvious for people, even before the pandemic, when you have multiple people in a meeting having just one or two people remote automatically makes them feel a bit disconnected from the space because you have this really high fidelity experience that's going on between like certain set of people and then there's a couple of other people who are like remote and so the best practices for teams that actually want to make virtual meetings work was to have everybody be remote in the sense that even if you are in a meeting in the same building you actually like join the meet meeting through your laptops so that you make everybody feel somewhat included and equal in that space. And I think that's that's more like best practices. The idea of feeling connected is something that's just beyond like your regular meeting, right? The thing that people worry about a lot is, hey, what happens to the casual water cooler discussion or the casual bumping into each other when you are in the hallways and having that conversations? How can you solve for those issues or how do you think those things matter and if it does matter like how are things being solved and there's quite a few solutions being thought out in that space and i don't know exactly which one's a winner here or like whether how much each of these are helping the results will be apparent in a few months or years or so but some solutions that exist right now include explicit meetings that are meant for people to connect like casual pairing of two people for you to have a 10-minute quick conversation, Slack brokers that system and puts two people together to have a conversation. Um, Or more office setups where like the the tandem of the world or there are like quite a few solutions in in that space where you almost have a virtual office where you move about like a real world. I feel that to be a little bit artificial, but those kind of virtual offices are taking off and people feel good to actually walk around the room, hear other people's spatial audio in terms of like, when you move around, you can hear what other people are talking and then just being able to jump into a conversations. Those systems are starting to come up and are becoming interesting as well.
1: Hmm. So what about the issue of control in collaboration? What features have you seen where it's possible to not make it just like a webinar system where there's one presenter and everybody just has to listen?
0: Yeah, all meetings are not the same and there are very distinct purposes to each type of meeting. And even in a single meeting, there could be multiple purpose. But to understand what purpose you want to achieve through like a meeting and like using the right tools or the right interface to enable that would make a lot of difference. An example could be that like, if you are coming together for a casual conversation where you are like, like just trying to connect with somebody, the way that you actually design the interface could be very different from, say, your five people coming to make a call on a decision-making meeting where you have to, at the end of it, decide something needs to happen. The way that you design that meeting can be like, very different. And when I say uh, design, everything from how each person's video is presented to what is, we are sitting in front of a computer, which we are mostly using as like a listening and a video medium, but it really can be used as an interactive collaborative space. You can throw in a whiteboard or you can throw in like more interactive activities that inside your space for you to be able to use that to drive at your decision. So if I'm making a decision making meeting, like a board where like we're putting stickies make more sense. Whereas if I'm doing a casual conversation, like these nice popping activities that like puts like a casual game for me to connect with each other makes a lot more sense. And so the video conferencing solutions or these platforms can evolve knowing what purpose you want to do.
1: A recurring theme, especially amongst facilitators, half a year ago or so it was just that the existing technology solutions don't really allow for collaboration, that they're essentially still mirroring top-down type structures in a company, or at least one to many communication structures. So the net result is that people don't engage in meetings. And right. they, they didn't really, before the pandemic, but it just it wasn't as big of an issue because a lot of people were in the office and there were proxy ways of dealing with it. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but all of a sudden, you've actually got to face the problem. So that's why I'm asking from a technology perspective.
0: Right. And so, as you said, because everybody's virtual and everybody's interfacing through this medium, you can do more things. Like, say, you have this mode where one person is presenting and then there's 15, 20 people just listening. So it's like you're like going for 10, 15 minutes without any conversations. What are some issues with this? Like, The person who's presenting doesn't get any feedback on whether somebody is how do they feel about this? What they're doing over here? Very basic, simple things like having uh, a way for people to, for audience who are listening to this presentation to interact and give some feedback on, okay, this is going well. Even like slide pop-ups that says, okay, how do you feel about this? And I'm feeling good about it. or like I'm understanding what's going on or I'm lost and for people to give that kind of reaction and for the... The person who's presenting to receive that feedback in a way that is not disruptive, but in a way that is helping them guide how they would go through their presentation, is like a very low-hanging fruit. And some solutions of these have been thought of even before, but with the virtual meeting, you can make it like so much more easy. But now you can amp up that for a, for a bit, right? How can you make that even more obvious? You can, you're sitting in front of a camera, you, you use Snapchat and Instagram where like, you know, it's everybody's face uh, can be like modified into whatever you want. But those kind of technologies are literally what it's saying is I can read your face at the level of granularity of like how much you frown or like whether you understand or whether you're yawning or like all these things and be able to collect that information and present it in a way that is not very intrusive or like disruptive of the meeting, but still giving it sufficient feedback for the presenter to just how they're doing and and mm-hmm. then these things become way more important in say a sales call or a call where you're it's like you're you're doing an all hands or there's 200 people and the sentiment is that most people are just shocked at what you just said you may want to give a pause and like maybe address that a little bit better how can you leverage this interface to get that feedback and this is just from a presentation perspective right like just a, yeah. a one-to-many situation
1: yeah in person, it's eye contact and right. <laughs> and like people's faces, basically. In theory, you have that in this kind of Zoom-style Brady Bunch look right. <laughs> with 25 people. Okay, if it's more than 25, it's too bad. Beyond that, it doesn't scale. Analytics, we talked about the one-to-many scenario. Right. Are there other kinds of analytics that you think would be helpful for different kinds of meetings, maybe?
0: yeah. Analytics is one part of it, and I definitely talk about it because my previous startup was a lot about analytics, but it's just one of the many components there. And in truly collaborative meetings uh, where almost everybody's contribution is important, and then there is this big role of the facilitator to move people from being this disengaged and passive to like, being more engaged, contributing, and, like, and taking ownership, and we want like, to try, try to move people along the spectrum. And you can almost think about data that you can collect from a meeting that can be used to improve this. And, and and again, I mentioned this to say that like analytics is one piece of this puzzle. It's almost retroactive. You do this over a period of time and you collect enough data to be able to improve this. Very simple things like who's doing the most of the talking, who's not can't, like, you know, getting a chance to say anything in a meeting or doesn't contribute is like a very simple metric, just easy to collect. But Looking at it over a period of time will make things very obvious. What does it say about a leader who spends about like 70% of the time in his meeting, being or him or her being the only person who's talking in the meeting? What does that say about a person who actually speaks 30% of the time, but lets team contribute 70% of the time? Like just the, the data alone tells a very different story about your leadership style, how your team com- comes together and collaborate. And that's just a single metric. You can detect who interrupts. Um, You can detect who is usually the one who's throwing the ball to other people to open up the conversation. What is the sort of ball movement of these conversations like? Usually, when like when this one person talks, it automatically props this other person to talk. Detecting these kind of patterns is just like really simple once you have a stream of audio, Um, and this makes it. In, my, in a previous world, we were doing this in like real meeting spaces where people come together. But when you think about virtual meeting, the way to detect this has become so much more easier because you have all channels separated audio. Everybody is like streaming from their own um, devices. And so gathering analytics like this becomes super useful. And now you roll it up across a single meeting and you roll it up across different meetings, different organizations, different managers. And you're like imagining, okay, hey, what is your style of collaboration how does your team come together there's also you go a little bit more deep tech and think about the words being spoken and can i analyze the sentiment of the words who's using the inclusive language who's using more words that are negative and like bringing people it's like cutting off people like you know it's like you can do all of these sentiment analysis on your conversation and then you're basically like super powering your analytics at that point of time NLP is being used for so many different things right now. And it's become so mature in the last three, four years since I even started my first company. And there's just so much you can do. There's still a lot unknown in the world of conversational data because most of NLP has been done on texts and materials and law books and like all these things. That's what people have been analyzing using natural language processing. Mm -hmm. But conversation is a goldmine. Like you can think about like how you can analyze this. The world of Alexa and like Google Homes are starting to like explore this, although for more smaller command like conversations. But real conversations, which have like deeper meaning, there's just a, there's just plenty of uh, room to innovate over there.
1: So, what about identifying patterns? You have a lot of data now. So right. how how can you look for patterns in in that data?
0: Data collection and analytics is like one piece of it. What helps is, and this is a problem that like I've faced in the past is like having context is everything. Just saying that like you spoke 40% of the time in a meeting is uh, one thing, but being able to say that, hey, this was a leadership meeting or like a collaborative meeting and you're the leader, the less you speak, it actually allows. And this is, there are research around this, right? As a leader, the less you speak and you let the team speak a little bit more it actually encourages everybody to become owners and contributors. Putting that context piece of it and understanding the team dynamics and looking at patterns over that, that's how you convert this data into insights. Um, insights are still like just insights. They're not going to help you change behavior. And that's the harder problem of like how do you take these insights and then like change people's behavior so you get the best outcome for you. But that insights part of it itself is for a lot of people just clicks open and oh my god we're doing this and it helps a lot in making them more open to that behavior change part of it so yeah i'd say the patterns is more about this the raw data taking into account like the context of the meeting and what you want to achieve again what is the purpose of your meeting
1: and then in terms of patterns visually can you get things from the video stream because the audio it's i guess it's pretty clear try to analyze the content of the text. What about on the video side?
0: Yeah, and I've been speaking to a couple of companies in the space uh, who are starting to think about this, and I'm very interested about this area as well, is how can you use facial recognition, as I said, facial recognition and detecting emotions in your face, like gestures, to be able to add that to your data stream right you can get the idea of how each person is reacting to the situation using their faces and adding that to the data stream yeah there's quite a few that's happening over here there are like some technical challenges around it and also some big concerns around privacy some of the technical challenges i would say is one in just interpretation of this data right what is could have a naturally frowned face, and you might actually think that i am disapproving of what you're saying but i really am not and like Those situations will like arise. And unless you have enough data and get like enough maturity about this, it's hard to take subjective interpretations of these spatial uh, data and that's going to happen. And it's also a very technically a resource intensive work. How are you going to be able to run this in each person's computer or like your browser if you have to? And there's some implementation challenges associated with it as well.
1: So what are your thoughts on improving collaboration for people in meetings?
0: Right. Collaboration is a big piece. There's just so much that happens in this space, And I think I mentioned about starting to think about specialized tools that actually cater to what you want to do in these different types of meetings, tools that automatically enable you to do those things. It's better to do that than stay in this world of like just audio and video and leaving the collaboration still to the facilitators. There's just so much of what facilitators does that can be taken into this. The big thing about that is currently running a good collaborative meeting is almost completely at the mercy of the person who's facilitating that meeting. How do they run their virtual meetings? And it all comes down to how good the facilitator is in those meetings and what kind of preparation that they've made for that meeting. And there is a lot that a a facilitator does in a meeting, right? Yeah,
1: you can also have someone just facilitate and not be the the discussion leader and have it slightly more delegated in theory. Going back to what you were saying, it sounds like it's more of a facilitation skills issue in companies than a technology issue in a way.
0: And that's the part that is interesting, right? And that I feel is the opportunity that's clicked right now in that. Because one way, as you said, is, make people better facilitators, right? It's so obvious to upskill them, give them training, give them coaching on how to be good at facilitating a meeting. But that kind of behavior change or that ability to influence other people is actually like a really hard thing as well for some people to learn and pick up, but and it also takes time. And I think that we should continue doing that, like you not know, skilling people to be like good facilitators of meeting. But implementing change happens from changing the environment where these behaviors are happening. If you look at like the productivity or habit space, there's a ton of books that's been written recently as well, which is all working about, hey, how do you change your behavior, tiny habits or atomic habits. And one of the big things that comes about in that space is for you to be able to change your behavior, changing the environment is one of the biggest ways in which you can have an impact. And when I say environment, it can be anything from the culture of the company, to the tools that you use. The same scrum meetings that people were doing for people to come together and have a conversation about what their status is, they got changed into what is called as a stand-up meeting, mostly because when you say it's a stand-up meeting and people are standing, it automatically forces them to be quick about what they're saying and be precise about the exact thing that they're saying. It's a classic example of what can be done to change the environment that would actually affect the way that people behave in a meeting. Mm-hmm. whereas now you have this golden opportunity to have technology and you can use this to augment reality in ways that you just could not even have thought of before in a real world very simple example if i'm doing my stand-up meeting like just having a circle around my head that just slowly fades away when i've spoken more than 90 seconds or like a circle around my head that just gives me like a timer very easy to like implement in a, in a virtual world but It nudges people to stay on time, like makes very evident what needs to happen. Several such design examples could be used to change behavior a lot from very simple things like showing indicators of how much each person spoke in a meeting or a brainstorming session, showing how much each person spoke as the size of the person. And it just grows and you automatically know that, hey, why aren't these people contributing and how can you bring those people? Again, Mm -hmm. not everything is socially appropriate, but... You can imagine using these design guidelines and just the technology to change behaviors of people in ways that was not possible before.
1: I definitely don't want to be triggering people's Napoleon complex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What about making meetings more intentional? That's something that is difficult and it's also different now being online. What are your thoughts on how to do that? Since
0: the start of the pandemic, meetings have become the way in which people are able to show that they are productive or that they are there in the meeting. So most people just join a meeting so that they feel like they've done something for the day. Just attending a meeting gives them that thought that they are. But for the most part, they are disengaged in that meeting. And a lot of which has come to this point about casual conversations have all become meetings when you don't even have an idea of why you are setting up this meeting But you just set up a meeting, and then once people come in over there, you start like figuring out what you want to talk. For the most part, you have like material for five minutes. If it's solved, you've already booked a 30 minute meeting, and so you're just like rambling on about things that you weren't even planning on doing. The purpose of the meeting is unclear. There is obviously several organizations where the culture is forced people to if you don't have an agenda, I won't attend your meeting. And that's actually a very strong step that people take towards that direction to say that if you have to have a meeting, you have to make it really intentional. And you tell me exactly what are the agenda items in that meeting and like how we can go about it. And this part of it is where I feel like that could be a lot more made easy for a person who's facilitating the meeting to think about, hey, what is the intention of this meeting? And this goes into this other part about there are big buckets of reasons that you go for a meeting about what is the intention of a meeting it usually falls under like these six or seven buckets right like i'm going there to drive clarity or alignment with people and that's one big bucket right and then or like i'm setting up this meeting mostly as a knowledge sharing session someone has to share some knowledge to other people it's a presentation it's like a seminar whatever it is and then there's the third big bucket of i need to do some problem solving like i'm stuck and we need to do some problem solving there's decision making meetings. There is meetings about like connection where people come together to either team building or one on ones where the motivation is personal connections. And then there's influence style meetings, which are like a big different bucket about if like, we're doing interviews or sales and we are trying to influence people. And so like meetings, you know, generally fall under these buckets. And clearly. Uh, Setting your agenda items to say that this is the goal that we want out of this, whether we are making a decision or everything, and then using the right tools for those is a great first step towards running more intentional, more purposeful meetings that have the best impact. You use technology to say that, like, okay, this is a decision-making meeting, and how can this meeting just shape itself so that it helps us make this decision really fast? And so you can put them all together.
1: So let's talk about uh, Zinc a bit. Let's start with the product. What, what exactly is the product?
0: Sure. So Zinc is considering everything that I've been like speaking about right now. Zinc provides what already existing video conferencing spaces provide is the ability to like you know have a video conversation or generally having multiple people in the meeting and talking. But the thing that makes Zinc uh, different is rewarding the good behavior and removing the disrupting behaviors. We have this notion of what is an activity, which is when you have like intentionally, this is what I want to do, you throw in an activity that actually like transforms your space into exactly what you want to do. If you are doing a status update or a a daily standup, you just do that. It takes people and like automatically puts them in the circle. The person who is giving the status update is put front and center. Their video takes up like almost a good size of the screen and everybody else shrinks and becomes this sort of smaller bubbles in the circle and they have a timer around them that tells them that this is about like 90 seconds or a two minute time that you have it's a soft timer not like necessarily to tell them that like you don't know, think like, hey, you will be cut off after this but to nudge them if, on, like,
1: if you don't make <laughs> it in
0: <laughs> exactly it's red you're out just bounce you out of the music now but the idea, was to, the idea is to soft nudge them to stay within the context of what you have to do. And the prompt of what they're talking to, like just put front and center in the screen, telling them that they have to like speak about this. And then small logistics of who's going to go next. And it automatically lines up with who's up next and what's the order in which people are updating. So when you actually enter this mode and you do a status update activity, it takes you like a very predictable amount of time and you actually uh, get through everybody's. We also have our AI kicking off in the back end where like all of this data about each person giving their status update is automatically captured and transcripts of that is categorized by who spoke what. And it is is sent to you at the end of the meeting for you to look back or for somebody who's missed the meeting to catch up on what really happened. And so that automatically happens in that space. And then like more delightful things, right? Like already just being able to see yourself in bubbles and moving around in that circle is like a very experience that actually is adds delight to your meeting, but you could react to other people in the form of if you like what somebody's done or if somebody's achieved something, you give them feedback by like clicking this button, which automatically sends like claps as emojis on your screen and lets other people know that like you really appreciate what they have done. And as a person giving a status update, that's really one of the big things why they actually do these things, right? Like they come to these status updates to like talk about what it is and they feel excited about something it shows in what they're saying. And it allows people to react to that uh, in meaningful ways. Things that are lost in an asynchronous status update if you have to. And so this is an example of how you've designed activity around status update. But once this is done, you go back to what is like a regular meeting and depending on what you want to do next, depending on what you want to do, this meeting can transform itself into that mode. Another example is we do brainstorming, which is something that is just about coming out uh, where if you say that you are going to do brainstorming, it automatically puts people into the sides and like, making the center board something that you can actually share something. Most of these existing solutions like Mural or Miro provides like a blank canvas for you to do this but you can do a lot more where like you ought to facilitate this set a timer for 10 minutes where everybody or like five minutes where everybody like comes up with ideas. They type in as many ideas as possible. It just goes into cards and then like you come together in the second phase where you start like collaborating on these ideas and adding to what somebody else has already said. And all this is automatically facilitated. There is not there's not like somebody who has to share their screen and do all this scribing for you but you have an interactive environment where you're all doing these things and it automatically does it for you. And it also like, allows you to do things like, hey, I want to thumbs up on this or vote on someone else's idea. So it allows you to like brainstorm in ways that you would bring the best ideas out. So those are some couple of examples, but if you zoom out, Zinc as a product is basically like a canvas in which you can actually create intentional purposeful activities that enable you to do what your meeting, I mean your intention of your meeting is. The entire meeting or the series of meetings that you've had is all preserved in a way that we currently don't have, where you have a meeting, that meeting is just gone, and at the most what you get is a recording of what that meeting was, which is just not possible in any meaningful way. But each sync meeting automatically, because it's intentional, because you're intentionally throwing activities, it automatically summarizes that the meeting and keeps structured data for you to like go back and be able to look at exactly what uh, you want to get out of that meeting. Uh, While it's also like eventually searchable, eventually analytics can be done on
1: top of that. I, I take it, you have some kind of structure for capturing action items and due dates and who's assigned and that kind of stuff too. We
0: have a way to capture agenda items and everything. What we are currently working on is like a way to capture action items and again there's several ways that you can do this and we're really like figuring out what exactly has been working with some people who we're working with is it a collaborative activity where everybody comes in like he's in the action items or is it one person just like listing down the action items there's a few different ways that you can do and as you said like that's a very important part of it spending say an activity doing an activity which is say five minutes before the end of the meeting where everybody just like describes what they think their action items are and then the facilitator could possibly fill the gaps over there and so by the end of that meeting you actually clearly know what it is and that being sent out it's super valuable and like saves like 20 minutes of the presenters the facilitators time after the meeting is over
1: so moving on to the company what kind of customers are you working with now who are you targeting that kind of thing
0: yeah for sure our current target is Companies which have anywhere from like 10 to 500 people. That's the size of the companies um, that we are targeting. Specifically among that is people who facilitate uh, regular meetings. These could be like a product manager or like a manager of a team. They are our primary um, target person. And we are currently working with smaller startups where founders install this as a part of their Slack. We actually like plug into Slack directly where if they want to have a meeting, they can just type slash Zinc in their channel. And there is a space for their channel where like all their meetings are captured over there and it brings together people and they have them a very specific type of meeting. And then that summary just gets back to uh, Slack. And that's also how it's being used currently in, in early stage startups.
1: Cool, great. So what's the best way for people to find out more about you or about Zinc?
0: Yeah, zinc.ai is where we are. So, z- Zinc Z Y N C AI is where we are. If you are anyone who is in an early stage startup looking to have better ways of collaborating uh, with your team, you should definitely like check it out. I'm available on like LinkedIn. My name is Arjun Sundarajan, and hopefully, there's a link for my profile somewhere in this. Yeah, it'll well, um, be in the show notes, sure. Yeah, feel free to reach out reach me at like Arjun at zinc.ai as well and um happy to share a conversation in this space.
1: Great. Yeah. That really was a great conversation with Arjun. My favorite part of it, other than geeking out on the tech, was the importance of the percent of the conversation that each person participates in. I find that useful, even without technology, is something to pay attention to as a relatively objective way to track what's going on, and also thinking in terms of who within the group is really enabling others to talk. I know Arjun's trying to solve for it on a much uh, deeper technical level, but I think even without the benefit of, of this technology, it's definitely useful as a mindset from a facilitation standpoint to see how a meeting's going glad you could join us this week and next week we're going to go back into hiring remote hiring with someone who is truly a world-class expert in my opinion see you then thanks for listening to this episode of the align remotely podcast if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.